Welcome to Agile Clips, where we break down Agile into manageable pieces. In this episode, we discuss the so-called hybrid work model, where some team members are working remotely and some from a traditional office environment. The model presents both challenges and opportunities for more effective collaboration, and we offer some advice on how to adapt to it. Hi guys, uh, nice to see you again in after our long break. Yeah, it's been a while. Isn't it? Good to see you. Yeah, yeah hi. Yeah, nice, nice to, to see, see you. you. I think we have been talking offline, and we have seen this trend and a lot of discussions going on about what is going to happen when people start going back to work. And what I'm seeing everywhere is the hybrid model is taking shape in multiple ways. What I want to understand, or at least bounce some ideas with you guys, is how does the hybrid model and agile work together? And what are the kinds of things that we need to be aware of as a agilists at large to be cognizant about when the hybrid model starts? Because we, I think we have people have adopted to remote working very well with the tools and stuff like that. But now, what would be a good golden mean? I guess I'll put the topic on the table and let's let's start from there. So I did a little bit of research on this topic and I. Uh read an article published by uh, Webex, and they carried out a survey, which was kind of interesting. They said uh, 57% of people expect to be in the office 10 days or less each month. 98% believe that future meetings will include remote participants, and 97% want changes to make the office safer before they return, which also means just people you know, being in the office, but maybe attending meetings from their desk rather than being in a conference room. So just, you know, intuitively, I think from all our personal experiences, but also looking at these survey results, it seems that hybrid is uh, here to stay for the foreseeable future. I think that's very likely. I think there's a lot of people who are profoundly reluctant to uh, to go back to work in an office. I mean, failing all else, if it saves you a commute, um, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's been a long time since I've had a commute that was anything less than an hour each way. And when you look at that as 10 wasted hours every week, I'd, I've got much better things to do with my life than sit in traffic. Thank you very much. Uh, what's interesting as well is I'm seeing more and more people starting to hypothesize about it. Um, there was an article I was just reading today in the New Yorker, um, Cal Newport, who's written a lot about stuff like this, was talking about um, working from near home because, you know, he was talking about how, of course, if you are working from home, then maybe you've got little kids, maybe there's a pile of laundry, maybe there's a lot of things that are going to tug at your attention. The, the analogy he gives is it's like being at a cocktail party and suddenly you hear your name mentioned from the other side of the room and it's got your attention. Well, when you're working from home, you're surrounded by things like that. So his proposal was that you try and work from near home. Uh, He quotes a couple of startups. There was one out in Europe that was like an Airbnb for workers. So they could actually provide short-term temporary workspaces near your home. Uh, Tough Shed, the company, is actually advertising so that they can set up a Tough Shed office in your backyard. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, you just walk to it and you are surrounded by your own office space. And house is house 
and office space is office space but yeah you need to be focused on the office official business yeah. so that you are disconnected from the rest of the surroundings yeah i i like the appeal of having a shed out the back being of course you know english and thus growing <laughs> up somewhere where the the working man's shed was his palace I love the uh-huh. idea of a shed in the back garden. You know, I'm just going to work, dear. You know, uh-huh. man the, cave. The, the man cave. Yeah, exactly. Um, if people are going, well, I don't know whether Agile has a role like this. They've dismally misunderstood what Agile is about. You know, it's not just about convening Scrum meetings in the workplace. Agile is all about being more responsive to changes in your marketplace and wider context than your competition is. Well, that's mm-hmm. that's not going to change. And I mean, something that springs to mind as we're talking, you know, I'm a big fan of Kenevin. Well, the central area of Kenevin is the area of confusion, both authentic and inauthentic confusion. Inauthentic confusion is when you jump to the first idea that might work. Probably won't. But authentic confusion is when you can actually say, look, I just don't know. I don't know how this is going to go. Because when you can say that, it really opens up your options about which way you could go. You could go and talk to some experts. You could go and talk to experts from a different domain who would have a completely different take on your situation and give you ideas you'd otherwise never have had. You might want to go and run a whole bunch of experiments. You might want to use the wisdom of crowds and go and talk to lots and lots and lots of people who aren't particularly experts to see what they come up with. And you have that freedom when you're in a position to go, you know what, we really don't know. And I I think that would be a wise place to stand as we move into a hybrid model, because really there's not that many of us who have a great deal of experience in that. Um, Mm -hmm. Honestly, the only advice that immediately springs to mind for me is, look, if if you're working in a hybrid mode, when you have meetings, you have to prioritize people who are online because they have the least benefit of broadband communication. By broadband, I mean full body, you're next door to each other, you can read body language, all of that stuff. How about you guys? Have you One, one thing know. that I've heard um, mm-hmm. that some of the hybrid models is that even if when you are in physically or in the office, mm-hmm. during meetings, everyone dials in from their desk. So you are actually turning the... Oh, that's interesting. The remote versus uh, physically being there. Yeah, that's good. That could work. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Right, right. I think that something I thought, hmm, that is an interesting way of representing and creating a level floor. And uh, that could be one of the experiments that... Uh, and I, Agile is the right way of looking at these experiments and see yeah. what happens. It, I have uh, one piece of advice, which is, I mean, it's always a good practice to have all the, the ceremonies, even though I really hate that word, but the agile yeah. ceremonies. Events. The events, we'll call it that. Get-togethers, meetings, to have them pre-scheduled as a recurring meeting so that people always know where they're supposed to be at what time, mm-hmm. and it's not something you're doing every week. But the piece of advice I have is reserve rooms now. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's always so difficult to get rooms in most yes. organizations and now they're mostly available so book them now yeah. Oh, that's yeah but you know that is a great great point even the companies are changing their you know, layout of their offices mm-hmm. so 
previously if they had six or eight conference rooms there may be only four or three yeah. physical conference rooms available because you know if only 50% people are coming then they don't want to spend that much money on to the office space per se i, I love But, it I, i would imagine that, that this year's graduates who have just started their careers working from home wouldn't know what you were talking about steve because you it's not until you actually go into the workplace and you fire up outlook and you use the room booking tool to try and find a room for your meeting and it's <laughs> and it's a whole thing and you don't know right. until you go into that sort of corporate life it's that's funny well, that's great speaking of that so my team has started going into the office one day a week mm-hmm. and it's i have to say it's really nice to be with people in person it's you kind of forget almost how nice okay, it is look- <laughs> well, it's funny you should mention that because I was going to say I have one colleague who I've been working with over a year and I'd never met in person. And it turned out he was much shorter than I expected. It was so weird. <laughs> as long as he was still wearing trousers, then that would that would be good. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say facilities will have work to do. I mean, one of the things that I was hearing quite early on in the pandemic is people going, "Wow, there's all of these office buildings that are barely ticking over." And I don't know whether you remember a few years ago when we had a whole bunch of outbreaks of Legionella as people discovered that poorly maintained air conditioning was a perfect breeding ground for legionella and people were going into offices and getting sick from the air conditioning mm-hmm. well there's going to be a lot of offices that have barely been ticking over so i would imagine preparing for people actually going back in is going to be a big job for a lot of companies if they have to completely scrub out all of their air conditioning well, systems you know, things, you know. yeah exactly so what what i'm thinking is actually deploying a hybrid model is an agile project product or project by itself you could run some of these experiments yeah. and see what sticks and what can actual scale yeah. so that you know it's like uh, pre-planning but you know there is a awesome article in uh, harvard business review it's from one of the professors from stanford mm-hmm. and basically he he said that hybrid model is good idea but don't let the team decide which days to show up in the in the office he goes into a lot more details about what that it creates you know if you have like 10 teams 20 teams and each team decides differently then you have dysfunctional family they were showing all these things about 95% said i'll be there on wednesday a lot of people did not want to be there on fridays or mondays mm-hmm. <laughs> they were saying you make the call and create that framework as a baseline saying everyone will be there monday wednesday thursday whoever wants to be in the office these are the physical one and then let the fridays and mondays be them as it may he said everyone is looking for that instead of them making a, their own choice they would rather have a guidance and yeah. i thought that was a pretty interesting yeah no uh, that, that, experiment to be run that makes sense from a couple of perspectives i mean from a lean perspective of driving out the waste of uh, imbalance you know that if if nobody quite knows when who's doing what and it's a lot of variation then you get waste from that no just say when things are going to happen that's why mm-hmm. with scrum you go no look always do the stand up same place same time just so people right. don't have to think about it which is the other point that it reduces the cognitive load it's like social automation mm-hmm. 
that if mm-hmm. you just know, well, that's where it is on my calendar, you don't need to think about it. You don't need to be like, oh, God, where's the meeting going to be this week? Am I supposed right. to be in the office or not? Because given these are times of immense, still immense uncertainty and considerable danger to life and limb, you know, mm-hmm. we're still figuring mm-hmm. out what's the Delta variant going to do. I think I was saying to you guys before we started the, the recording that I came across this fantastic paper that was talking about how uncertainty amplifies emotion. So, you know, that can be a good thing if it, you know, you've got a birthday coming and somebody hints that you've got a surprise party. Oh, that's exciting. It's uncertain, but it can make you feel even better about your birthday. But if you're worried about going back to a workplace and having to maybe travel on public transport and you're not sure about that, you don't know whether it's going to be completely safe. And now you don't know whether it's going to be which day of the week and which room you're supposed to be in. The that's going to be burning an awful lot of people's cognitive ability, which is silly from a business perspective. You want them to reserve that for doing some work, don't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it, it's like one more thing to plan, one more thing right. to worry about every time. It's like uh, that was not happening for the last whole year and a half. Right. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. So, you run out of bed, you're in your pajamas, fire up your laptop, don't need to think it through, get on with it. You know, yeah, oh, yeah <laughs> and then find out that you were supposed to be in the office. Oh, yeah. and you run <laughs> and you put your arms. That is where I'm, I'm coming from in the sense that you know, what kinds of experiments that we can use agile way of looking at things, yeah, and then pivot and scale based on what kinds of things stick, quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. And a stick means it actually produces the desired value or the outcomes that you're looking for. Yeah. I've been talking to a few people saying that, why don't you do a small experiment and see whether this is scalable or not? That was like an aha moment for them. And they're like, yeah, instead of committing for the next two, three, four, five years as, as this, let's run through this and then see where things are. I was just going to say that's so perfect because, I mean, one of the simplest head shifts that you can make when you get agile is to understand that you're trying to plan something at the time that you know the least about it. Mm -hmm. So if you actually think that you can lay out the plan and then stick to it, yeah, good luck with that. (laughs) Thinking, how can we do all of this by the date is actually not helpful thinking for anything that's emergent. If you start to think, what's the least that we can do that would be the most useful right now, that's really helpful. And right now, that kind of useful is probably learning whether this is going to work or not. So exactly, you're absolutely right, applying Agile thinking. I suspect that there's still an awful lot of people out there who think that Agile has something to do with those engineer guys getting together uh, <laughs> and having a huddle. I don't know. It's How can they do that? And it's nothing to do with the rest of the organization. And they're not going to do it if it's not in the, in the office. Yeah, I mean, no. it's what they call, uh, you do your Agile thing and deliver this. <laughs> oh, God, yes. We've all heard that, haven't you? Yes. But no, I think you're absolutely right. The, the idea of going, what's the least that we can do that's the most use right now? Exactly. That's agile thinking. And if it doesn't work, let's pivot. Yeah, right. That's exactly. Good. Yes. Try something else. That's why we want it exactly. to be the least. You don't want to commit to four years and then find out that everybody's miserable and it doesn't work and you've just killed the company. <laughs> Get one or two teams to try it for a month. I agree. I agree. So as a experiment, you should uh, really define the expected outcome. And I'm just wondering what the how you would measure whether it was successful or not. Right. Do you have well, any thought? 
you might you might define an expected outcome. You might also go, we don't know what the outcome is. It's like time boxing, right? That you can write a story where you know what the acceptance criteria are and people go, yeah, I think we can do that. But if people are like, we don't really understand what it is we're trying to do here, you might time box it and spike it where the acceptance criteria is, we either decide it's, it's not worth doing this or now we know what to do, right? I was just going to say, spiking is almost yeah. that as to figure out with this hybrid model, what outcomes are we trying to even find out, whether that yeah, yeah. does work or not? Yeah. And I know it could be the happiness aspect of it. It could be how a team feels working together, how people who are remote feel about participating mm-hmm. into that. Mm-hmm. And do they still feel part of the team or not? And then, of course, are we still delivering the value that we are looking for? Right, right. And if, and if I mean, you can't, you want to find that out quickly and exactly. view it as data rather than failure. I mean, that's the point. If it's an experiment, the outcome is data. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a real trap and it's a trap of, of command and control deterministic thinking that an agile team must always accomplish exactly what they said they were going to do. Look, if it if they knew that, it probably means they've already done it. And so done why it, are they yeah. doing it again? <laughs> Well, that's crazy. By its very nature, Agile is a way of dealing with stuff where we don't know ahead of time, right. Right? right? So you will often find out that actually this isn't worth doing or we tried it and it doesn't work. Maybe we did say that we wanted a specific outcome and we found out it just wasn't available. It wasn't an option. Huh. All right. Well, good. That was good to know. That's an avenue explored, which ain't going anywhere, you know. And then the other thing is, what did we learn from there? Right. As you said, it's an experiment means it's the value that is being given and what we learn from it. How do you use it for the next level of experiment? Yes. That's where really both the sides have to come together from the business side of things where the organization tries to deliver and the people who are actually in the mix of doing it. It's, It's a really agile in practice. It really is. I'm sure that there's an awful lot of business folk, though, who are very scared by this, who are looking at it going, we're really worried that this is just not going to work. It is a disruptive, competitive world. And that might mean that the market context in which your business used to work, it's changed. And now that's not a context in which it's going to work anymore. And hybrid or not hybrid, it ain't going to work, you know. I've, I've recently started lurking on a whole bunch of subreddits, looking at people talking about their work. And it's interesting how often you see people complaining about things like, look, I'm the best worker there, but my manager is still asking me to hurry up. Hmm. Hmm. And it's clear that they feel like somehow they're failing. And it has me think, well, it sounds more to me like it's a business where, I don't know, maybe the manager is a jerk, maybe not, but they're probably under pressure to perform in a business that's hanging on by its fingernails. Mm-hmm. It's quite mm-hmm. possible that, that hurrying up isn't going to make a blind bit of difference. This is a job you can't do any faster. You're doing the best you can, in which case you're going to find out that there's a brutal reality about a capitalist free market economy by definition if your business ain't going to work you're going out of business right (laughs) and the the marketplace has changed that's what this pandemic has done to us you know absolutely absolutely and i think one of the things that i'm seeing more and more is that people are realizing that 
unless and until there is a connection between the business side and delivery side, you are not able to adopt to the changing marketplace. Mm-hmm. So that you know, the whys and what's coming in from the business side and then how and combine together coming up with the when. Unless that collaborative effort, irrespective of whether it's in-person, uh, remote or hybrid, mm. that philosophy, that hasn't changed. And that is, especially with the remote, it has amplified the need mm-hmm. for that kind of a dialogue to start happening. It's a, it's a good thing, I guess. That's what Agile was asking everyone to do. So I think we should leverage what we have learned yes. in the remote side of things and then yes. Get into when get into the hybrid model. What does the physical environment yeah, gives you yeah. that that uh, virtual was not giving you? That's a, that's really important. I mean, I think there's a misunderstanding amongst those who resist agile that it's about all holding hands and singing kumbaya. Um, yeah, no. The fact of the matter is that if you are doing work and delay the feedback of finding out if that work is going to produce the outcome you intended, and in fact, if you delay it so much that intervening events Mm -hmm. will obscure whether what you did is actually causing that outcome, you've taken what could have been a predictable business and made it inherently unpredictable. You get that level of predictability by actually having people work together in short bursts of, like I said before, running little experiments of going, what's the least we can do to do the most useful thing right now? Mm-hmm. And understanding what all of those words mean, right? But if you've got a business where you've got one side of the business, the business, as we the text call them, the business goes, well, we want this thing and you text go and do it and the text go and do it. And months later, something comes back and the business puts it into production and has a look and it's taken six months. Well, that was six months ago's desires being presented now. The world ain't going to hang around for you. Right. right. And if there are half a dozen other things that happened in between that have changed things, you've just produced something that was useful six months ago and... How's that going to be helpful when there are plenty of organizations out there who do get this and are going, sweet, we'll get something out by tomorrow afternoon. It won't be very good, but it'll work. And the customer or the consumer will give us a feedback as to aha yes. kind of thing. And yes. you know, looking at a, you know, larger organizations. And this whole process of virtualization has made them think in a different way also. Mm-hmm. We were talking about the tools that are available, like Miro and um, those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. They they do a, play a crucial role of those whiteboarding that we used to do physical. But once you get into the hybrid, I think they will play even more mm-hmm. uh, role into that because of the physical nature of where the global people have moved out into suburbs or even different locations. Mm-hmm. They still need this kind of a go-to place. So that you have one single source of truth kind of thing, instead of looking at some physical whiteboard all the time. Yeah, I was thinking about this. I mean, in the past, many times worked on a whiteboard with a team and then had some people remote and we had cameras pointed at the whiteboard. And now it just seems so stupid in retrospect. (laughs) Should have just used mural and have, even if people were in the same room. Yeah. you know, they can share donuts and do that kind of thing and socialize. But for the work, it would make sense for people just to be sitting at their laptop or whatever in the room and everybody sharing their mural whiteboard. Yes. Uh, in a similar vein, 
One of the things that I've noticed is that there are a lot more people playing computer games online. And that means that there's been a huge development of some of the technologies that allow you to play team games online in a way where you're actually operating like a team. I play a lot of Minecraft and there's now a thing called the proximity mod, which means that if you're in a Minecraft server with a bunch of your friends, as you get geographically close within the Minecraft world, you start to be able to hear each other. And I've seen this technology starting to show up elsewhere, that there are platforms like there's one I'm looking at at the moment called Spatial Chat, where you can set up things like open space formats, where people are looking at, like, they're on a screen, they're looking at a thing that's laid out with a bunch of different spaces, and they move their avatar around, and as they go into a particular room in that space, they can now start to see and hear other people in that room. And I'm looking at that going, this is interesting. This is going to open up all kinds of different ways of collaborating. It won't be long until platforms like that would then fire up the, the mural or the Miro or the online whiteboard for that room, right? Yep. What else is going to be possible? That this, There's all kinds of technology that's just blossomed. Um, the other thing, have you guys seen um, Google's Project Starline? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, the 3D no. thing? The, the startup that I'm working with, they do exactly that. That's oh, the that, virtual. They, they, I knew somebody I knew I, was working on that. It was you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and idiot, they, they, Andrew. There you go. <laughs> but that's, that's exactly what they're doing in the sense that when if I turn my head, it becomes... A, and, and the wonderful thing that they have done is... Oh, that's right. You can use the same equipment. You don't need any additional equipment. Oh, really? And you can... Yes, that's the biggest game changer is one that you camera. don't need one, one just the exact same camera that you're using right now it will put you in a three-dimensional and if you move your head and you start looking at steve in the, the persona will also see that this is going on and you're talking to steve or you're talking to me oh, and it will changer. show you the thing that's, and that's they fantastic. came from the gaming as you were referring to the gaming industry yeah, yeah. that's exactly where they came from their experts are gaming experts who are building their personas and they are talking to each other. And especially at the hybrid mode, that's going to be the biggest uh, advantage because whoever is not there will be in a virtual way and they are actually looking at each other. And it will have the interface to your... uh, you know, Google spreadsheets or whatever, rally yes. or, yes. or whatever yes. that is being presented as if you were in the conference room and it will be the center of it. Everybody is looking at that. So oh, wow. it has that. Yeah, that, that's like a, you know, big, I mean, it's already happening. So I just want to know, can I be lying in bed and I still look like I'm at my desk? Depends upon what your persona was captured. It doesn't matter whether you have clothes or not. You'll be still fine. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Because right now, if they've got like a 3D mapped persona for you and an yeah. AI that's going to articulate it as it hears you speaking and your yeah. camera can see that, you're right, Steve, you could lie in bed in your best, I don't know, Easter bunny pajamas or whatever <laughs> and be presenting in your very schmick suit. Thank you very much. I yes. Super yes. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, it, it, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that whole um, concept was not even there before because, right. you know, the Zoom is only a 2D. You need yes. that 3D 
feel yeah. for yeah. it. See, this is and, this is where we're getting to be like, of course, agile guys. I mean, <laughs> experienced agilists always going, let's come at this some other completely different way, the stuff we've never thought of. And mm -hmm. so even in a way to just go, well, how can we cobble hybrid together out of everything that we already have? It's, it's so exciting to hear people going, this could be an opportunity like we've never seen before. Seen before, yeah. But we can yeah. come, at, come at work in such a different way. We could learn so many amazing things from it. And we've yet to work out if that's actually going to work, if it's going to mess with people's lives, you know, that we could have real-time 3D meetings around the planet. Well, you may well find out there's plenty of people who do not want to work in the middle of the night just to be in your meeting. Thank you very much. You know. Yes. And I'm I'm I have to say I'm still completely stuck on the image I just conjured of seeing Steve in Easter Bunny pajamas. I mean, it's going to take me a moment or two to get over that. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a kind of a segue. I was just going to say, uh, you know, other advice that I think we can provide is. Maybe it's obvious, but when people start going back to offices, right. they should really continue to use video conferencing and not um, not assume that they have to have a, vi a big video conferencing capability or unit mm -hmm. in a room. You can always use your laptop just as, uh, as we have been doing for the last uh, year and so on. Yep. And then the other thing I wanted to mention is it seems that the meetings I've been in the same few technologies always seem to come up. So yes. Zoom is, is a given, but WebEx, Teams, Google Meet, mm -hmm. Google Chat, those are pretty standard these days. They, I think they all have breakout rooms, so they're very flexible. And then um, I've seen Google Docs being used a lot to collaborate on documents just because it's the most real-time mm -hmm. uh, view of what people are doing. And similarly, Mural seems to be coming up a lot, even though there are lots of other tools like that. And I think with just with those three, there's pretty much everything you can think you want to do, you can do. Yeah. That's true. That yeah. is true. They're very, very powerful. No, it's true. I mean, I've run a few sessions online where I've used Zoom and Mural, and I've learned that if I'm going to have people collaborate on Mural, it's a very good idea to have either a practice board that you can send them ahead of time so they can noodle around on it. Maybe one of the ones that Mural themselves have produced. I mean, Miro has this too, but most of them do. Or you do a stupid little icebreaker session where you let people mm -hmm. mess around with it because there has to be a degree of them being able to train themselves to adequate competence really quickly. Otherwise, it's just going to stand between them and the thing you're trying to accomplish. You know, you know Zoom has got yep. to a point where it pretty much, if it's installed on your machine, it just works. And there are wrinkles, there are tricks that, you know, we struggled ourselves trying to figure out how to do tricks with it earlier on today. But you do, you figure it out. I mean, isn't, isn't that actually really the, the, the rallying song of the Agilist? You figure it out. And the experiment begins now. Right. We'll, we'll... <laughs> you can tell everybody that, that this podcast has now declared this experiment open. It's official. Okay. Don't tell your colleagues, <laughs> if you're listening to this, that the hybrid experiment has started, and you can all come yeah. back and report on your results. Well, yeah, and also we'd like to hear from them as to how yeah. their hybrid experiment is working and what has what made them successful or not. Well, guys, thank you so much. It's wonderful to see you again. So, you know, I'll talk to you guys again soon. And goodbye to anybody else that's listening in who's started to listen to us regularly. Take care.
Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.